Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery, and joining me is the man with the look in his eye who is fed on nothing but full of pride. Look at him go. Look at him kick. And here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. He is the host of the Hustle podcast, one of my favorite music podcasts. So please welcome to the podcast, the man who puts those little tiny daggers into the hearts of all your favorite bands. Here's John Lamoureux. <laughs> I love that intro. Thanks, guys. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the so the premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music and we're going to talk a lot about music because we've got three music nerds all on one podcast. So here we go. So at the beginning of our podcast, we ask the all important question. So we'll start with you, John. What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm glad you asked. I am wearing a Crowded House concert t-shirt from whenever they made that comeback album, Time on Earth, early 2000s, I think, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was. It's a great, it's navy blue and it's got this, uh, it's got the Loch Ness Monster on it, kind of creeping across and he's eating a guy and uh, there's a a moon made of like newspaper and on the back it says Crowded House and I wear, every time I wear it, my kids are just baffled. Why Why is this monster eating a man on your t-shirt? So that's the one I, I thought I would rep my all-time favorite band. Uh, and I, I actually have some notes here about Crowded House because I, I did listen to one of your episodes where you talked about how mm. your favorite favorite all-time record is a Crowded House record. So yeah. we'll, ch- we'll chat about that here in a moment. All okay. right, so how about you? How about you, Wayne? What t-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a Father's Day gift from my middle daughter. She had me a custom-made, records-revisited uh, T-shirt made. On the back, it says Music Master, which she if she got, clearly doesn't listen to the podcast, or she would have put West Coast or something like that on there. She would have put the uh, the color the color commentator, <laughs> the color man, the color guy. John said, okay, who's the play-by-play and who's the color guy? So, <laughs> so uh, I am wearing, I'm wearing a Father's Day present as well. I am wearing my uh, Beastie Boys Check Your Head. Mm. And uh, this, is, this is pretty special to me because I've been looking for at least 15 years to replace this particular T-shirt. We talked about this on one of our, uh, one of our episodes. Was it one... I, th- I think we talked about this particular, the, the, the great t-shirt purge of 2003, Wayne. <laughs> yes, we have mentioned it. A couple yeah, times. So I've, I've been looking for a replacement for this particular shirt, but all the replacements that I've always found don't include the back of the t-shirt, which is the mm. little uh, rebus where we're, you know, you've got bees plus a, plus a teacup plus the boys in animated form. So mm. um, I finally found one. And so uh, I, I shot this over to my kids and said, this is what I want for Father's Day. Nothing else. <laughs> this is what I want for Father's Day. So there we go. Nice. So, so, so John, I, I almost wore a BYU Cougars t-shirt since mm. you and I have that in common. Yes, we do. Those were the days, weren't they? Some days. Sure. Some of those <laughs> yeah, right. days. So so when were you at BYU? Because I, I I think our paths did not cross. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I uh, let's see. I would have gone on my mission from ninety two to ninety four, and then uh, I worked full time and went to school full time. I worked at group homes with uh, mentally handicapped people because it was a very easy job to have while being in school. A couple days a week, you just go after school and you hang out with them until they go to bed, and then a couple other days a week, you'd stay there all night, do your homework, whatever. So. I spent three years at UBSC getting my uh, okay. my uh, associates, and then I transferred over to BYU in around 97. So it would have been 97 to 2000, 2001, somewhere in there is when I left, graduated. I, I graduated in 96. Ah, you're older than me. You're an old guy. I, we're, we're, yeah, Wayne <laughs> and I are both celebrating the big 5-0 this year. Whoa. I'm the baby in the group. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm glad to make you feel special here, John. Um, yeah, thanks. So, uh, so, so, have you been to Provo since you graduated from there? I try to stay out of Provo as as often as I can because I kind of hate that place. Um, I uh, my wife has some relatives there, and so I've gone, you know, to Christmas parties and stuff like that. Um, I, yeah, I try to avoid it yeah. whenever possible. Yeah, no, I mm -hmm. completely understand. I've only been back once. I'm kind of on the fence. I was supposed to be going back to Provo later this year to see my Washington Huskies play the Cougars. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a Washington Huskies football fan through and through, but um, Cougars in every other sport I'm cool with, but for football, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm Huskies purple, purple mm -hmm. and gold, baby. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm on the fence because the Huskies are playing the Cougars at Cougar stadium. And I, I just really, I hate the fans there. Yeah. Well, just driving along those streets will give you PTSD, you know, <laughs> you know, you see the dollar movie theater, you see, uh, they tore the it Mexican down restaurants. Oh, is it gone? It's gone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was uh, a couple years ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. That's it. Shows how frequently I go there, which that's, isn't very often. That's good. That's good. But yeah, you drive by, you know, Rain Tree and the Glenwood and all that kind of, all those hell holes, and uh, <laughs> get the PTSD. I lived in the Rain Tree for a uh, year and a half. Really? Yeah. I lived in Glenwood, but my girlfriend lived in the Rain Tree. Okay. All right. Yeah. Look at us bonding over. Look at that. Provo. That's all great. Yeah. All right. All right. Since we're, we're probably going to like make everyone uh, switch off to another podcast, we better switch gears here. So, yeah, so, over it. so one other thing that we do have in common. So on your podcast, episode 189 with Derry mm -hmm. Guerin. So I really, mm. I really dig honeymoon suite. I, they're Me one too. of those underappreciated bands, new girl. Now, is one of my all-time favorite songs. And I know you indicated that Feel It Again was your like mm -hmm. most played song of, of 2018. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm guessing that the age difference is the reason why um, it wasn't One Crazy Summer that turned me into the Honeymoon Suite fan that I am, because I actually did hear New Girl Now on the radio, which again, probably shows our, our age difference. And our proximity to Canada. And, and that too. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, I did hear those songs on the radio, but they were kind of, they didn't stick out as much until I heard um, what does it take at the end of one crazy summer? That's when it sort of cemented in my mind. Yeah. 
And, uh, and I found I've been doing the podcast for a little over four years now, and I just am kind of in search of a story. And so I, um, when I get it in my mind that like, Ooh, honeymoon sweet, they're underappreciated. They're, they have great songs. They're undervalued. Let's get, let's hear what their story is. Um, the memories start flooding back and you, and for a time, at least as I'm preparing to talk to them, they, uh, they become huge again for me, you know, cause I'm doing, I'm listening to every note they've ever put out there, deciding how I feel, looking for clues to ask him about, you know, doing the deep dive, the deep dive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and I'm constantly in awe of some of the guests that you're able to get on the podcast. Uh, and every time I think about reaching out to somebody from, you know, the eighties or the nineties, I realize that you've already talked to them. <laughs> like, like, like we, we chatted about Mike Peters of, of the alarm, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I still haven't been able to listen to that episode yet. So That's okay. that, that'll be, that'll be queued up soon. But there, there are some people that you've had on your podcast that are really entertaining that I would have never thought about inviting to a right. podcast. For instance, um, you had Mark Deming from all music mm-hmm. on, uh, mm-hmm. on, on not too, not too long ago. And I was appreciative that you gave him all sorts of crap about, you know, <laughs> critics banding together on certain bands or artists. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, you asked him a band that um, we're going to talk about on this episode. I did. Yeah. It uh, drives me bananas. Why, why there is such a groupthink mentality among music critics. And it's not, I don't blame them for all liking the same things because yes, Velvet Underground, you know, big star replace. Of course, those bands are great, but where's the diversity? Who's the guy? Who are the guys out there that have the credentials of being a respected music critic that are fighting for a band like In Excess? Where, where are those guys? And why are they such pussies? You know? So I, uh, I just, to me, it's like, what's wrong with a band like In Excess? Why is it? Why do you criticize? There's nothing not to like. So, but anyway. You can bleep me saying that word, by the way. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, we we only we only edit one one word, and it's usually Wayne who drops the bomb. <laughs> good. I try not to swear on my pod, so I won't yeah, do it on yours. That, that's good. So, so, so based off of that, so who are some who are some of the bands that you're like? I don't I don't get. I because I because I think we talked about it because you're like, oh, I'm a big Velvet Underground, and I'm like, I don't I don't get it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some, there are some songs that I, I, I do like, um, and some, and I do understand their influence, especially on a lot of bands that I like, but it kind of goes back to, you know, Wayne kind of goes back to our last episode that we did with, with Willie, where we talked about Tom Waits and, you know, I was, I kept asking him like, help me, help me get this Willie because I'm, <laughs> yeah. but Wayne kind of came around on Willie's side. Really? Uh, yeah. I, and I, 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 I was, I, so much listening to it. You, I start to found, find stuff that I, that I did mm-hmm. like, but ultimately a ton of it is just bizarre. Yeah. And the thing is, I went to look for another one. I was like, well, you know what, you know, let me try to maybe give this guy the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and look into another record. And like rain dogs, which Willie had suggested has 20 songs mm-hmm. <laughs> and like five of them are instrumentals. I, I don't, I don't, that's not necessary. Yeah. I mean, 20 songs, especially when, when you're you know, reliving the 1880s. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't yeah. know. 
Yeah. Speaking of people I don't get, Tom Waits would be one of those people. Right. Um, I have I have come down to I don't think it's fair when I criticize somebody like a Tom Waits that I don't like. I hope that it, I want to establish for everyone that I I, I criticize them as it pertains to me. Uh, music is so personal, right. and I understand no, that people like what they like and they don't like what they like, and that's totally okay. It is absolutely meant to bring you joy. That is the point of all of it. I don't get it, and Tom Waits is one of those people. Another one uh, I mentioned on the Mark Deming episode is Wilco. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know they're one of your favorites, Ben. You're gonna offend uh, me. Well, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> You're just going to have to deal with that. I just think yeah. they are. Take some of the pressure off. Me. Yeah, good. They are so boring. <laughs> so boring. And uh, now, and, and I, as I told Mark, one of my really good friends in college, Rob Rogers at BYU, he gave me a copy of being there. And he said, you know, I, I think you'll like this. And I did. And I listened to it forever. And I loved it. And then when Yankee Hotel Foxtrot came out and I, I paid money to go watch that documentary in a theater and i was totally 100 behind, behind them yes damn the man we want to get on wilco's side and i bought that album and i was bored to death yeah it just felt boring folk music with wannabe radiohead technical trickery you know poured over the top of it it just didn't make sense to me and uh but everyone loves them and it's one of those emperor new clothes kind of things where it's like why is no one being honest about this you like that that's boring. Did did you jump off at that point? I kind of did, yeah. And um, yeah, I I, <laughs> I remember exactly the exact moment at the time I worked for Tower Records, and um, I was uh, doing regional marketing with them, and I was in one of the stores in the Bay Area. And, um, they, as often was the case, would put five or six CDs on shuffle, you know, yeah. and they'd put yeah. up on the counter what was playing, and one of them was The Ghost Is Born or whatever, whatever that that album after Yankee Hotel. Which I love. Okay, one well, of my favorite, so. one of my favorite albums. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> so um, I'm glad we uh, have in excess in common. Yes, and crowded house. We've and got, crowded house. And not a surf. We're going to talk about and that. not a surf. Yes, yeah, we yeah, got yeah. lots in common. Um, so you probably know there's like a 20 minute yeah. track of fuzz at the end of that album. Yes, and because the CD player in the store was on shuffle, that came on. Right. And no one bothered to turn it off. And I was sitting there. For tw- I'm just going through. I'm like, when is this thing going to end? This is 20 minutes of fuzz. Why? Who needs this? And I go over to the counter and I see that it's the Wilco album that's making this noise. And I just get angry. And I'm angry that anyone has the pomposity to throw this kind of crap out in our face. It's like Wayne was saying about Tom Waits. We need 20 songs and five instrumentals in the 80s. Are you kidding me? Are you that good? That's how I felt about Wilco. Yeah. yeah. That's when they lost me. All right. Well, having said that, I like it's tra- I give them a chance every now and then. There's a track or two uh that I don't mind, you know, from time to time and I still do like being there, but I can't bring myself to, you know, invest anymore. Have you seen me. them live since Nails and Glenn joined the band? I don't think so. I saw them live once at the Wilco and or at the uh the Fillmore in San Francisco and it was bef- it was before Yankee Hotel came out. So it was during that period when they were performing those songs live, but the album hadn't come out yet. And it was a great, great show. I went with four of my best friends and we, it, to this day, we talk about what a magical night that was. And it was, but uh, they lost. All right. 
Well, one of one of my bucket list items is seeing Wilco at Red Rocks, which is right ah. up right up the street from you. So yes. when that happens, you're coming you along. Come stay at my house. Yeah, you're coming you're coming along with <laughs> I will gladly go with you. You can stay in my house. Fantastic. We have All a right. spare bed. I even have a framed Wilco poster from that show I talked about on the wall in my Perfect. basement. Perfect. So yes. And then we'll just get then we'll just argue. And then we can even kind of like hit each other if we if we make each other mad. You know what I mean? Here here's the problem. So if I go if I go to that show, my best friend Jeff, who who was on that Wilco show with me, that that episode mm-hmm. that we did together, mm-hmm. um, he gets really offended if you if you, you know, poke poke that particular um <laughs> soft spot on, you know. Oh my god. Uh, um <laughs> Wait, wait. Is he gonna cry? <laughs> uh, he might. He might. Um, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne found that out when he was poking, poking him a little too hard on that Toad the Wet Sprocket episode. Yeah, yeah, talk about a band I don't get. That's 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 the one I don't get <clears throat> of these guys. Is mm. I actually like them. A couple of their albums are great. Yeah. Like them. But I hear you. When when uh, when Toad gets boring, which is often, they are on the same level of beigeness as Wilco yeah. to me. Yeah. So I'm with you. I, I understand your thoughts on that. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> All right. Don't don't get Ben's the loser get, in this. Don't group. get me started on Faster Pussycat. Oh. I don't have anything to say about Faster Pussycat. <laughs> that's that's the one. That I know, but that's the one thing I can hold over your head. Um, Fair enough. So so John, you probably get asked this a lot. So who's on your wish list for guests for your podcast? I do. And I love that question. Um, there are, I have a few kind of standard answers. First of all, my, my number one answer for years was Mark Hollis uh, of Talk Talk. And then he died yeah. a couple of months ago, unfortunately. You were never going to get him on. I know. I know. And I did manage to get another member of the band and it did not go well. And uh, I haven't listened to that yet, but I <laughs> I know that you've t- you've oh. talked about it a few different times on other episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, it uh, it was it didn't go well. Um, I will say Nena Cherry is one of my dream guests. Oh. Yeah, uh, Anita Baker is another one of my dream guests. Uh, Bruce Hornsby is one of my dream guests. Steve Winwood, um, another one of my absolute dream guests is Green Gartside, the lead singer of Scritti Politti. Oh, um, these okay. are all people, if you haven't noticed, who are a little aloof or mysterious. Yeah. You know, they had a moment and then they kind of disappear, but it's out there somewhere. And the point, the original point of my whole podcast was how do people pay their bills over the long haul? And so when Nena Cherry disappears for 25 years, what? how do you pay the electricity bill, uh, Nena Cherry? You know, yeah. is it because Buffalo stance royalties? What is it? So um, anyway, the, yeah, these people are all sort of mysterious, and that's why I find them provocative. Yeah, you know? I've been listening to the uh, the latest Prince record that's out. So it's mm. it's all of the all of the the songs that he wrote for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's these are these are his versions of those, and mm-hmm. there was a uh, Martika song. And so I kind of oh. went back uh, on that. I'm like, I wonder what, how she's paying her bills. Yeah. Can't, can't just be, you know, toy soldiers is, is, is paying all the bills, but I you know. She, I think does uh, some of those eighties tours. Does she? Um, okay. But I don't believe she does them in America. 
Uh, I had somebody on, I think it was David Sterry of Real Life, who did Send Me an Angel. Yeah. If I remember right, it was him. And he had mentioned that he plays a lot of those 80s festivals now, and she's on the bill a lot. And she ha- often headlines. And I'm always like, Martika's headlining? She had one song. Why would she be headlining? But I guess in other parts of the world, there was more to the Martika story than we know. And so, yeah, she disappeared for years. There's a whole story, and I can't remember what it is. Something legal, I'm not even sure. But she's back now, and she does those tours in other places. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So let's reverse that. So who do you not want on your podcast? Besides Wilco, apparently. Right. I would interview Wilco, actually. I would just try to, you know, blow their buttons. (laughs) You're not going to get, I'm not going to love you like everyone else does, Jeff Tweedy. Um, I tried to get Nels Klein on the episode oh. on an episode earlier, and his publicist was kindly saying he's too busy. Yeah, so <laughs> he's t- <laughs> a lot of people are too busy to be on our little nobody podcast. Right, let's exactly. be honest. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, I like that question a lot, and I there's almost nobody I wouldn't interview, but I will tell you somebody who you would think I would want to interview, and I don't, and that is Eddie Money. And the reason for that is, first of all, I love Eddie Money. I love his stuff. But he is such a caricature of a person that I'm afraid that I would not have a real heart-to-heart introspective conversation. It almost seems like he's incapable of having that kind of a conversation with somebody. And that's what I shoot for. And so I don't want to give – I love Eddie, but I don't want to spend an hour with him – with him turning on his rock starness, you know, yeah. and his goofy New Yorkiness and all that, which is what I'm afraid it would just be. It would just be him being a clown. And I'm not interested in that. So it's a shame because otherwise I would love to chat with him. I love his hits. Do you feel like interviewing him would kind of, kind of rub the luster off of all of the songs that you've listened to for years? <laughs> no, I, mean, I, you know. I becomes one of those situations where you meet the person and you're like, he was a real a-hole. Yeah, because yeah, some guys act like bigger rock stars than they actually are. I mean, he wrote Two Tickets right. to Paradise. He didn't write, uh, you know, Satisfaction. I mean, it's yeah, he true. seems, he's in the, yeah, I agree with you because I've seen interviews with him too and he he seems to think that he's a lot, I mean, a lot bigger than he is. There's a big, there's a lot of space between Eddie Money mm-hmm. and Bono and Mick Jagger and And I don't think he, not as much as uh, more than he thinks. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think he, uh, he, I shouldn't, I'm not trying to paint everyone with this brush, but I've had a lot of New Yorkers on my show and they're just, there's a casualness to a New Yorker, especially an older New Yorker that um, is very culturally uh, deeply embedded in who they are, but it's also, it doesn't make for good interviewing to me, if that makes sense. And I'm not, there's nothing, there's nothing bigoted or prejudiced in what I'm saying. It's just a New Yorker casualness of like, eh, it's all right. Eh, it worked out. Eh, it'll be fine. You know what I mean? That's sort of, and that's not what I'm going for. I want to know, like, how did you feel when it stopped, when you stopped being on top? And if he's just, eh, it was fine. Eh, I just moved on. That's not the answer I'm looking for. And I feel like that's all Eddie Money would give me. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Wayne only has one person that he doesn't want on our podcast, and that would be Timothy, Timothy B. Schmidt. Schmidt. Really? Why? I, you know what? I can't explain it. I don't like anything about him. I, he's that's the one Eagle song I I don't even think is good. <laughs> um, he coined the phrase "parrot head." 
this list goes on. He's not a better bass player than Randy Meisner. He's it's just uh, I don't like the name Poco, and that was his original band. There's it's none of it. None of it is. It's just there's so much of it. Everything, everything about it is, and I don't know why. I can't really pinpoint it. You can't tell us why. I can't. What's funny too is that song. Come I don't on, like it when give, he give me a drum. It. Howard, give me a drum roll. I got it, Ben. That was great. Wait, you've done. You've used throat. it before, though. Have I? Yeah, we yeah. used it on the episode. Uh, the Fast Times of Ridgemont High. But I heard Howard Hewitt did. I can't tell you why. And I'm like, I prefer that mm. to anything because I don't think Timothy B. Schmidt was involved in that at all. Mm, so. Okay. Okay. It's um, one of those personal vendettas that just grows from nowhere and you can't stop it now. It's uh it's interesting to me that you're you're fine with the Eagles but have an issue with Timothy because <laughs> most people are the other way around. It's like I cannot stand the Eagles, but Timothy seems all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one hates yeah, the like Eagles said, because of Timothy. They hate them because uh, of Glenn and Don. Yeah, and I was surround I mean, I can say I've I've told that story too. I've been I was held hostage by, by both two parents that love the Eagles. And so I heard it in the car oh and gosh. at the house and everywhere. And Gross. so I didn't, I mean, I was young. I didn't know any better. It's, no. I could compare it to something else, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I just, if you're going to, why listen to faux country watered down music? And why listen to that instead of actual country music? You know what I mean? Like go listen to George Jones. Don't go listen to a bunch of guys doing a poor version of George Jones. You know what I mean? Why do that? That's how I feel about the Eagles for the most part. So what's your take on Linda Ronstadt and Jackson Brown from that era then? Oh, boring. Both of them. Oh, my gosh. Now, I I understand. And again, this is just a personal thing with me. They don't do it for me. Um, I do understand if you were more of your age or maybe even about five years older, and the 70s are your sweet spot. That whole Laurel Canyon sound of just, you know, sun-drenched, cut-off jean shorts, Linda Ronstadt's the hottest thing around, and she was. And uh, all that kind of stuff really is in your blood. I totally understand. I get it. But I find Jackson Brown pretty boring. And I like Linda fine, but she's only as good as her material. She doesn't write her own music, you no. know? And some of it's good, some of it's not. So uh, she's one of those people I'm afraid to say I don't think belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, listen, have you listened to the live album that came out a couple months ago from of Linda, Linda Ronstadt? Ronstadt? Yeah. I'm afraid I'm not up on all of Linda Ronstadt's it's you know, old. releases. It's old. It's old. It's, it. you know, the, the it probably was what, 80, 79, mm. 80, where okay. she was at the, the, the peak of her, you know, her stardom. Um, you, you go back and listen to that okay. and, the, and then, okay. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll chat again. Cause I was not a huge Ronstad fan. And then somebody told me you should go listen to this. And I did. Hmm. And, okay. um, she, she was fantastic. Okay. Uh, so. I will say she has, she has a slight histrionicness to her voice that is a little off putting and, and Olivia Newton, John kind of has the same effect on me i know they're great singers but there's this it slightly veers on over dramatization oh yeah and it uh and it kind of it's almost nails on a chalkboard that being said they have some songs that i deeply love and that's great but um it's not the most comfortable voice to me in my comfort zone yeah let's chat about in excess 
so i i, I kind of coerced you in a way to to mm-hmm. come join join us on the episode so we've been toying with this episode since the beginning since the beginning i mean this was this was actually my my first pick and then mm-hmm. i switched gears and said you know what um i don't know if i can do another 80s record to mm-hmm. start out with so we then ended up doing neil young's harvest when you say one to start with this do you mean specifically kick or an nxs focused episode kick okay so so when when we when we first started the podcast wayne chose right out of the gate licensed to ill mm-hmm. and i said you know what let me go back to to a record that i've listened to hundreds of times and this was the one that 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 first came to mind mm. and then we're like yeah i don't i don't i don't know if we want to set ourselves up to just be an 80s got it podcast mm-hmm. so 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 then we we've been preempting this for other records and then we've had guest upon guest for the last three months which has been awesome and great mm-hmm. but i felt like after the last few records that um we had in the pipeline that had been chosen by some of our guests that i really needed something a less heady to mm. talk about okay. comfort food yeah some some comfort food absolutely yeah. and this definitely fits that description and i'm not meaning that in any disparaging way i love this band i love this record despite some of its flaws and it's just one of those records where you put on and everybody has a good time listening to it is that is that pretty is that pretty accurate it is to uh, me. Um, I think so. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on you, Wayne. I'll, no, I, uh, no. I think this uh, this out. Al- if there, it's one of the albums that deserves to be considered a defining album of the '80s, you know, yes. it defines a decade to me. I will say it's a flawed record. The more I listen to it, the more flawed it feels. Um, you know, one of the things I uh, another similar album that I kept thinking of was Peter Gabriel's So, which hmm. when you bring up albums like So or Kick, the the reflexive response from almost everybody unanimously is, oh, that's a classic. Oh, that's a great album. That's a classic album. You People forget that there's a lot of weirdness on these albums. This kick has a ton, half of it almost is filler. And so ends with two of the strangest, like avant-garde art pieces that aren't even very fun, but they're at the end. So you forget, you know, and um, the I think the, the level and the greatness of the singles off of albums like these are so unmistakable that it raises everything up to classic level. Um, but yeah, it's a flawed album, but it's a classic. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so if you had, if you had the choice to pick an NXS record to revisit, which one would have you chosen? Uh, well, there, I have two answers for that. And I, because I think their best album is listen like thieves, at least in terms of consistency but yeah. i um amen brother yeah okay good wayne's with me on that and then uh secondly not to self-promote or whatever but um we do a, we've started this year doing a series called deep dives on my podcast where we bring back a guest and we deep dive an album they worked on you know start to finish the whole creative process behind the scenes track by track and uh mark opitz who was who did not produce kick but did produce their some of their early albums and later albums it was on my show last year and he agreed recently to come back on and do a deep dive with me. And I really want to deep dive full moon, dirty hearts. I think that's a great okay. uh, undervalued record in their canon. And so, uh, so yeah, there's two 
two answers to that. Listen Like Thieves, I think, is their most consistent. Full Moon is their sort of underappreciated one. Was Full Moon your gateway? Was that the first one that you, like, heard? No. Uh, again, I'm I'm asking from the from the age differential. Sure. No. Uh, uh, Kick would have been... I So, yeah, my history with NXS, I remember they would... I used to get this magazine sometimes called Smash Hits. And it was out of out of the UK, I believe. And there would be, you know, articles on the Pet Shop Boys and lyrics and all that kind of stuff. And I remember seeing NXS in there a couple of times and thinking they were called inks and not knowing what inks meant. Sure. And, um, but then when, and seeing that name, but not, and I knew what you need, you know, I, that got played on like Friday night videos and stuff like that. So I knew a couple of those songs, but it was, it was seeing need you tonight on MTV where the world changed, you know, I mean, that's, so I, you know, I was aware of them before kick, but kick is when I put my money down and bought the album and became a fan from then on. And Wayne, you would have picked listen like thieves. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I, and I almost went with Shabu Shaba because that was my gateway. Mm. That was my introduction, seeing, seeing the videos for don't change and the, and the one thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, Gosh, I, I I go back to that, kind of going back to your your uh, your comment, John, about the the the, the flawed records. Mm-hmm. Shabu Shabazz, there, there are definitely some flaws to that, but I saw the greatness that was going to happen, mm-hmm. and I think that In Excess has has done a number of really great records. Um, you know, the one right after Kick X mm-hmm. is X. Has mm-hmm. has some really fantastic songs on it as well. Mm-hmm. Listen like thieves. To to your point, both of you, um, yeah. There's definitely some some great stuff on that particular record. Yeah, my feeling about Shabu Shaba, and I would have gladly. I think you brought that up first. I would have gladly done that one with you. I feel like that album is bookended by two perfect singles, uh, in between a bunch of filler. That's my feeling yep. about that album. If if somebody if somebody pinpoints me and says what is your all time favorite song, it would either be "Don't Change" or it would be "The Pretender" by uh, uh, Foo Fighters. So there you go. <laughs> those those are those are those are my two picks for okay. the perfect songs. Okay. So so and speaking of perfect songs, we haven't asked the the uh, the all important question of Totus Africa. So, John, um, where do you weigh in on our question that we've been throwing to all of our guests? Is is Africa a good or a bad song? Don't let me down, John. It's a great song. Oh, it's a classic. I can't believe it. Sorry, Wayne. That, that goes, there's two different things. There's cla- You just discussed this, I believe. There's classic and there's good songs. That's two different uh-huh. things. I do want to say that one of my darkest, deepest secrets is that I also thought it was inks and i never ever have told anybody that but since you came out i'm gonna follow i i never said their name because i knew it sounded wrong that doesn't make sense but i didn't but that's all i could come up with until uh-huh. it might have even have been ben who said in excess and i was like thank god i i, I never got caught with that <laughs> i'm pretty sure i corrected you a few times back in the day i'm like no i don't think i ever said it it is Great. not inks <laughs> I'm totally with you on that way. All right. Well, well, fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad to put you on my, uh, on, on the side of, of, uh, my, my whiteboard mm-hmm. here. Just a second though. Cause I think you've got to, we got to clear something up from the last episode. Willie was, was a draw until we got a text yep. later that, that 
confirm that he is on the not good song side. Correct. In fact, uh, he here, I can, I can tell you exactly what he, what he did. And it was, it was like three hours after we did the recording. Cause he was like, uh, I'm kind of indifferent on it. Cause I almost put him in the Matthew Ryan category, Wayne. Um, cause Matthew Ryan didn't want to answer that. He was like, uh, I don't think about Totos Africa. He was like, he's like, I don't think about it. So he's got his own column, the oh, Matthew Ryan on. column. Okay. Um, so, so Willie responded with, uh, with an email. He says, I'm in store and Africa is playing and it sucks. Ha ha. Forgot about that flute solo. <laughs> w. <Nice. laughs> So, so we had to, we had to change something in the column. So, so now we're uh, I'm now up ten to three. So got him right yeah, where I want. Yeah, it's a great song. I'm only down by a touchdown. <laughs> but you know what? Based off of some of the guests that we've got coming up over the next two months, Wayne, I'm gonna guess you're gonna get at least. I'm gonna make a prediction. You're gonna get at least three mm, in your column. That's how you do it slowly just 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 weed it whittle it down whittle down that lead right. yeah one, one bite at a time that's how we're gonna eat this elephant all right so let's get into kick um so as i always do i i bring up some of the the, the bio info so kick is the sixth studio album by NXS, not inks uh that is the uh that is the Australian rock band NXS, and that was released in October of 1987 this is definitely their most successful studio album. It's been certified six times platinum. And we'll talk about each of the, the, the top 10 singles. And most importantly, of course, the band took home five MTV video music awards in 1988 for their Need, Need yeah. You Tonight and Mediate video. Um, so to going back to uh, your comment, John, about production, so this album was produced by Chris Thomas, who Wayne, we've talked about Chris Thomas on on some other episodes, uh, known mostly for Pretenders and some other British bands. And the album was mixed by Bob Clearmountain, which we He's also talked about on our replacements. Uh, uh, legend. I mean, Bob Clearmountain is on just a ton of stuff. You guys know any of the story about how the label Atlantic Records did not want to actually put this record out. <laughs> I had not heard that. <clears throat> wow. Me neither. So the record label actually rejected the album. They said that it was too funky, too much I dance. I don't think that's a thing. To go I don't along think it can be that. too funky, that, can you? Uh, I, I know. And so uh, Atlantic actually offered the band a million dollars to go back and produce it all over again. Their, their manager um, said, no, we're not going to do that. So he actually arranged some secret meetings with Atlantic's radio promotion division and urged them to play Need You Tonight. So mm -hmm. he actually released the Need You Tonight way earlier than that October release and essentially had sent this, this particular single out to all of the college radio um, stations across the U.S. and urged them to play it, and of course, they said yes because yeah. you know, "Listen Like Thieves" did did have some traction, especially uh, among the college radio. And because of that, um, that notoriety of "Need You Tonight" 
was getting that that airplay and essentially um atlantic finally decided to release kick as as it was didn't go back and and redo any of it but the label decided that they were going to promote it very little and Hmm. which was this really shows the power of mtv back in the day because as soon as need you tonight got on mtv they played it a ton Mm -hmm. i would say that it was you could count on every hour you could count on um the way you make me feel by Mm -hmm. michael jackson and you could count on seeing need you tonight Mm -hmm. now sometimes you would get the full need you tonight Mm -hmm. plus mediate and sometimes you would just get the shortened version of need you tonight but so there you go little little bio info yeah that i don't remember what the exact timeline is but the the trajectory or the the chapter of pop music right around then was just owned by an excess in a way with all the hits and how big they were and how often they were played on MTV and on the radio and everything else. I mean, they, they were the biggest band in the world. I think at least it felt that way for that chunk of that decade. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And, and the fact that it spent a total of 79 weeks on the billboard 200, Mm. it was in the top 10 for 22 consecutive weeks and what I don't understand, so NXS has only been nominated three times for Grammys in their in their uh, history. Once in 1989, they were nominated for the entire um, the entire record best rock performance by a duo or group. They didn't win. Um, that actually went to U2's Desire. Mm-hmm. They they won the, the 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 Grammy for that. But they've been nominated for Rock Performance by Duo in 91 for Suicide Blonde, didn't win. And then nominated for Best Music Video for Beautiful Girl in 94, also didn't win. Hmm. Which, does that seem like just, you know, kind of going back to your your episode that you did with, with Mark Deming, is that just a complete oversight by the critics of not giving the what I would say was the biggest rock band outside of maybe U2 yeah. at that point, uh, not giving them their due. I, I really just can't think of what else it could possibly be. And in that conversation with Mark, I sort of lumped them in with Duran Duran that I have similar feelings about where they, they're a complete package. They're all great musicians. They write catchy, fun pop songs. They're good looking. They, people like these songs there was more to those songs than a Debbie Gibson or something like that. What more do you need? What's the problem? You know, yeah. Michael Hutchins to me is probably the second most charismatic front man in history beyond behind uh, Freddie Mercury. What what's wrong with that? You know, Mick Jagger is one of the greatest front men ever. Rolling Stone magazine can't stop slurping <laughs> Mick Jagger. What's the, why, what, why not in excess? They're very similar, you know, I don't get it. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't either. And I, and again, I was looking at the Grammys and I'm looking at the, all of these nominations and I'm like, what in the world? Um, so for instance, record of the year, the nominees were fast car, Tracy Chapman, mm-hmm. giving you the best that I got Anita Baker, going back I to what you were saying, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah, man in the mirror, 
Roll With It by Steve Winwood, and then Don't Worry, Be Happy, Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> Poor Bobby McFerrin. And you guys know what won that year, right? Bobby. Bobby McFerrin. Bobby. Yeah. All right. So let me tell you what the nominees were for Best Pop Performance. So this was not rock, but Best Pop Performance. And here were the nominees. Gloria Stefan in Miami Sound Machine. Barf. Manhattan Transfer. Oh. Kokomo. Oh. Piano in the Dark by Brenda oh. Russell. And Wild Wild West by the, the Escape Club. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in years. Those were your nominees. Are you freaking kidding me? And guess which one? I don't even remember. Damn. Manhattan Transfer. Really? Oh, that's such a like Jethro Toll for best heavy metal type it's, thing. It's a travesty. It is. It's a travesty. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a travesty. Okay, album of the year. Yeah, and then uh, and then we'll we'll actually start talking about NXS again. So album of the year, here were your nominees. Nothing Like the Sun by Sting, Roll With It, Steve Winwood, Simple Pleasures by Bobby McFerrin, and then Tracy Chapman's self-titled, and then George Michael's Faith. Mm. What one? Is it gonna be Bobby again? No. No. Uh I don't know. I would of all those, I would probably go with George. Yeah, me too. Yeah, George George won. Okay, good. He that one made sense. That does he deserved it. Which at, at least yeah, at least there was some deserving yeah. that happened there. Yeah. So Okay. All right. So back to back to NXS now that I've taken you down the wormhole. Great. See, this is what I do. <laughs> I take everybody down these wormholes with me and sorry. This is great. Um so you guys think that there's any chance that NXS gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I think there's a chance just because they're they're running out of I mean, there's mm-hmm. not good bands being created, it doesn't feel like. So at some point, I think they're going to have to. You're going to bring up the zombies again, aren't you? No, I, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I don't feel like they belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. but Me neither. Thank you, Wayne. I, yes. I just think three songs. I think you got to do better than that. Um, Me too. So I, I, I think it can. I, I think, like I say, with the rate that good bands are being created, which is not almost non-existent, I think they. <laughs> it feels like almost like the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Veterans Committee is going to put them in. Yeah. Well, at least at least they they put the cure in this year. Yeah. So I almost give them a little credibility just because of that. I agree. Um, not to dominate here, but I, I I I feel what Wayne's saying because I feel like the cure getting in is a really big deal because that I think is going to start opening the door a little wider for the Depeche Modes and the New Orders and the Smiths and it's going if that continues to widen. Then in excess, it's not. It may be maybe in the top five to ten of bands that probably deserve it if that gap continues to widen. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And, and I say I feel very passionately about eighties alternative and it's uh, how underseen it is in the rock hall. But you could say the exact same thing about bands like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Motley Crue for that matter. I mean, if you're going to put in Bon Jovi and Def Leppard. Yeah. Why wouldn't you put in Motley Crue, you know? So I, uh, and that's not a taste issue. I'm, I'm not saying it's just, we're talking about the biggest bands of a genre. And if you're going to start allowing things like rap as a genre or folk as a genre or R&B as a genre, why not heavy metal and alternative as a genre? Yep. And if you're going to allow that, you have to allow the biggest of that genre. And that's where these people fit in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I personally don't believe Def Leppard and Bon Jovi deserve to be in, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I agree with that. I don't believe Kiss should be in. What's funny is I do believe that NWA probably should be in just for this, like the same reason as Guns N' Roses. Their catalog's not huge, but it was impactful, just like Nirvana. I think NWA changed. I mean, it was almost like they did change you know, Chuck Berry coming out of nowhere. They changed the completely, and and look where it's gotten. Now you now you're hearing. The kids that grew up listening to that are the ones on pop radio. They changed. They changed things. They your parents didn't want to hear them. Desperately did not want you to listen to them. I, I have to say I disagree about. I I'm not a Bon Jovi fan. I do love Kiss and Def Leppard, but my feeling on that is that if you're not going to celebrate the biggest bands of a generation, then what's yeah. the point of the Hall of Fame? And so, and Bon Jovi, like it or not, were similar to NXS in their own way, the biggest band of their generation. There's only two big albums in that whole thing, though, as many of they put out there. But that's, I mean, yeah, if you're not going to celebrate those bands that rose to the top, then why? And and by and I know that even as I say that, you could apply that same argument to something like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I'm not fans of those, but they yeah. were the biggest bands of their era. And bands like that or groups or artists like that probably deserve to be in there, whether it makes sense or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got trouble with that last part. <laughs> I, <laughs> I agree, know. I agree I know. with the sentiment, but I that's yes. I, I, I would gladly take Bon Jovi and, and Def Leppard and Kiss out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if that's what if it meant that that would keep Backstreet Boys and NSYNC out. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm dry. I, I might even take somebody else out. I wouldn't put them in there in my Hall of Fame, but I'm ta- if, if I feel as strongly about my logic as I do, you could apply it to stuff like that as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I think rock and roll is a much more broader term than I think people like to, to let it be when you, you, to me, it's, I mean, popular music, you have to look at where it started. It was everything before that was folk and country. And all of a sudden uh, they found some, Mm -hmm. some black guys playing something completely different that nobody had ever heard. And then white guys started playing it. And next thing you know, it's really everything. Popular music, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is basically just popular music Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of uh, popular, so In Excess, third most popular Australian music act in the U.S. Hmm. Who are the Who are the two that are before <laughs> In Excess? Uh, ACDC. Absolutely. And, uh, Seventies, mm. oh, I think seventies. The Bee Gees. Yes, the Bee Gees. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. There you okay. Go. All right. So let's uh, let's jump into kick. Um, as a reminder, our scoring is based on the number of songs. Wayne, how many songs are on the record? Twelve. Which means top song is going to get twelve points. Next favorite song, eleven points, and on down to our lowest score of one. So let's get started with Guns in the Sky. They want to put guns in the sky Someone out there ain't gonna like it Well, it could be good Make us love each other So songwriting credits for this, only Hutchins. 
And I probably would have given a better score for this if it was one of the remix versions of the song. Like the Kick-Ass remix or the Kookaburra remix are both really good. But uh, this particular one kind of goes back to what we were talking about with, with some of the flaws. I think this is one of those flaws for me. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to set the precedence of this is a little bit different record than Listen Like Thieves, but and I really like this song. If if the, if we were scoring this in 1987, it would get a, a much higher score for me mm-hmm. than it than it is now, but I feel like this is a really flawed song, but I know since I see everybody scores in advance, I know that <laughs> that John is uh, a little different than uh, Wayne and I for this song. So, mm. so, so, so tell me why this is one of your favorites. Uh, I have been under the opinion for years, and I even shared this with Mark Opitz, that this is maybe the greatest track one in history. And, and when I say that, I know that there are other better songs, but by my criteria, what I want from a track one is I want something to quote Bull Durham that's going to announce its presence with authority. I don't. I think it's cheating a little bit if it's the biggest hit off the album. I don't always want that, but I want a song that is not one of the singles, but is just announcing what you're gonna. This is what you're getting yourself into. Are you ready? And that pumps up the excitement level. And to me, this song does that perfectly. Uh, and. But there are different kinds of perfect track ones. One of maybe my second favorite track one of all time is Blizzard of 77 from Not a Surf's Let Go album. So and good. it's the complete opposite. It's this little, you know, yeah. sub two minute acoustic y thing, but it's so beautiful and so gorgeous and it sets a tone that is so provocative. And that's why I like Guns in the Sky. I think it's one of the greatest track ones ever. And you and I are, are, have a very um, similar opinion of track ones need to come out. And to your mm-hmm. point of, I'm going to show you my authority. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. And so we, we, and we've talked about this on multiple, multiple episodes. You know, we talked about this Wayne uh, with appetite for destruction, for instance, welcome to the jungle. Perfect song to announce your, mm-hmm. your presence. Mm-hmm. Um, when we did our, our, our killers episode, yeah. Jenny was a friend of mine. Great track. Just, one. Oh, great track one. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfect song to just, you know, right, right from the get go of letting the, letting you know what you're in store for. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's plenty of others that we've talked about where the, the, the track ones are like, you know, definitely the, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the best song on the record. Wayne, what's your what's your feeling on this? <laughs> I they one thing I noticed from listening to this again, I don't there and I will say we've said this before about albums that there isn't a song on here that I don't like. But this one is it's I don't get I don't it doesn't feel like it's representative of NXS. It's super guitar heavy. Like I don't know that I know another NXS song that is this guitar heavy. It even has a big like uh ballsy tarred mm-hmm. solo. Um, which is not guitar solos aren't very common in an exhaust by themselves. But I noticed that when they get political, which obviously this is a reference to, you know, Ronald Reagan's Star Wars program, when they get political, because it's not 
it's not very typical that they do, then it gets campy. And the video with Tim Ferriss without his shirt playing this the solo does not help get away from the campiness. But I just felt like it it doesn't I thought kick would have been the way to start this album because I think that's much better representation of the of the band and and and, and it's very uh you know straightforward high tempo coming right mm-hmm. out of the gate. But like I say a lot of this was the, the political theme that doesn't seem natural mm-hmm. for them. Like when Michael Hutchins sings about love and sex and you know desperation and and desire you he he becomes a whole nother singer than when he tries to sing about an arms race in mm-hmm. space. Yeah. Well, let's get some scores. So, John, I have this at ten. Okay. And then Wayne, I gave it a two. Oh, I'm matching your two. Oh, as well. why did I agree to come on here with you losers? <laughs> <laughs> I so, thought he was going to find out later. But, uh... <laughs> so, so again, what Wayne? To your point. This this is a great song. This is, and I'm not saying that this is a deuce. Notice I said this is my two, because um, this is not a deuce. We've had some records that we've talked about where the 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 two really is a deuce. This is okay. not. Um, and like I said, if this was the Kookaburra mix, hmm. this would probably be an eight or a seven for me. Okay. So that's just it. And speaking of Kookaburra mix which was the B-side to the second song. So here is the third single on kick. This is New Sensation. This was a pretty popular song. This reached number three on the Billboard Hot One Hot One Hundred, number nine in Australia, which I thought was really hmm. weird. I mean, considering they're huge in Australia, um, why this wasn't a bigger song? But um, and of course the uh, the 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 first lyrics on this particular song ended up being the title of the band's uh, live hmm. record. Uh, and because I always thought it was live baby live, but everybody who I've ever talked to who is a huge NXS fan, they're like, well, no, it's live baby live. That's being too like, cute. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's exactly Seems what like it it'd is. be a good play on words. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I what thought, I thought. I would have thought the same thing. Those people thought. are dumb. <laughs> yeah, those people are wrong. All right. So so somebody get me started on New Sensation. Tell, tell me why this is one of our. I, th- I think this would have been a good, good good choice for the opening too. like say that guitar riff that plays through the whole thing um and then it it's got this great uh that goes into the horns as it's going into the chorus and then they put some harmonies in the chorus it's just got a great catchy chorus and and it's it's like finally and then now you get to see michael hutchins at his best you know with that real soulful uh delivery it's just a great and it's a great pop song i mean of all the things that were being played on the radio at that time 
um, this was different. It's still pop, but it's but it's much better than what else was on top forty. Yeah, I uh, I just think this is a perfect pop single, and by my taste, I like that the album starts this way with Guns in the Sky, you know, blazing the doors open, and then going directly into one of the most unmistakably perfect pop rock tunes ever. Um, I love the breakdown after the in the chorus, you know, a new sensation, and then the guitar lick, now 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 now. You know, I like that. I I like one of the things I like most about In Excess is that all the instruments seem to be featured uh, equally. You know, there's guitar and sax and synthesizer and drums. They're not, that's why I feel like when people relegate in excess to sort of a frothy eighties band, I don't get that at all because they're not like Depeche Mode or Human League who are reliant on synthesizers. I love those bands. They're my two of my favorites as well, but this is a rock band. You know, everything is getting its due on these songs. That's what you want. Yeah. So yeah, this I think this song is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great, great song. Um my I think my only knock on this um is it's it feels too much like Listen Like Thieves Part Two to me. Hmm. I it it definitely has those elements. And and I will say this. So I'm I'm always the guy who is putting together the the the, the sound clips and sometimes sometimes I fail at putting the best elements of those sound clips, um, on the episodes. Um, I've already done the sound clips in advance. And one of the things that I've kind of noticed is there is definitely a formula Mm. that NXS has where it's about one, one minute and five seconds is where (laughs) things really start kicking. Um, where you've got the, you've got the chorus and they write really great choruses um that are just super catchy and stay with you um so definitely the formula for new sensation is definitely listen like thieves formula Mm. but you know what when it ain't broke yeah don't fix it right suicide blonde probably fits that i think if you line them all up they'd probably fit in there too but that's look pop music is meant to be perfectly structured songs so there's a lot of that I mean, they're if maybe they have a style and they go back to that style, they draw from that well, but they're good at what they do, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I noticed too is a lot of the songs they build mm. like they don't start. They kind of start out where his voice is even kind of like not monotone, but much more simpler, less emotion, and it it gradually, you know, by the by the end of that first verse and the first chorus, he's it's picked up. Yeah, nice. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get some scores. So, Wayne? I give it a nine. Yeah, I'm I'm matching your nine. And then, John? I went with 11. Perfect. All right. This is is definitely going to be in contention for uh, Top Song. Mm -hmm. Just a spoiler spoiler alert there. (laughs) All right. Let's go to uh, third song. So, this is Devil Inside. With a look in his eye It's fair on nothing But full of pride Look at him go, look at him kick Makes you wonder how the other half lives Devil inside, the devil inside Every single one of us, the devil inside Devil inside, devil inside 
how big was this song back in the day? <laughs> it was huge. Like I say, I, went, I think my score in 1988 or 1989 might have been 12. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because it it had that. I, I guess it. It at the time it much had I got this had to have been the strip club anthem until Pour Some Sugar mm-hmm. on Me came out. It's just very sexy. Um, I love like you can't hear them all the time, but as they they'll kind of there's some tribal drums that are playing like constantly through it that you can only hear at certain points when when certain instruments kind of tail off. You can hear them, but it, it does have a very and of course the video in that uh, even though it was a little classic '80s video where I think there was some some long haired guys were going to fight with the guys in the, <laughs> with the short hair and the shorts. Uh, it had some real, some real cliche elements in the video, but inside that room, that small room with like where there's all these bright colors and flashing lights. And then this, this, you know, and then Michael Hutchins, who is like, I say, probably my, my number one man crush of all yeah. time. And this whole thing is just real. And like I say, but it just kept getting played to the point where when I listen to it now, um, all these other there's you know what i'd say five other songs six other songs on here that that have now become much more endearing to me than this one but i in 1989 this would have been my, this would have gotten a 12. yeah we haven't even talked about the man crush elements mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to i don't want to get carried away so let's i would say i have a man crush on at least half this band John Ferris and wow. and uh, Tim Ferris are two of the like most beautiful men in the world, and they're not even the most beautiful men in their own band. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Poor Andrew uh, Ferris, by the way. You know the chubby one who's playing, yeah. and he's the one who writes all the songs. Oh, I know, and and an incredible piano player. And like I say, what about Keith Pengilly? He looks like he ought to be in the Proclaimers. And yeah, he is an amazing guitar player and saxophone yes. player. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that, that great line. Uh, so I uh, haven't even talked about, so this is, this was the second single off the record went all the way to number two on the billboard hot 100 you guys. Want to know why it didn't hit number one? That stupid Bobby McFerrin. I'm going to guess. No, it actually wasn't, but it was stupid. Billy ocean. Oh, so get Get out of my dreams. Get into my car. Oh. And then once that once that dropped off the number one spot, so then it was uh, uh, "Where Do Broken Hearts Go" by Whitney Houston. Replaced. Oh goodness! Oh man! Yeah. So there okay. you go. Uh, you guys listen to the deluxe version of this record? I never have. So the B side for "Devil Inside" is a song on the rocks. You guys ever listen to that? Mm. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that. Not a great mm. song. You save save yourself the 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 trouble. The finger snaps at the beginning of that song just reminds me of Billy Squires' "Rock Me at uh, Night." Billy Squires, the oh no, <laughs> let's not start this, Ben. If you're gonna if you're gonna talk trash about my man Billy, we're really no, I I only was remarking about the video okay, for okay. that. Yeah, not um, huge Billy Squires fan. I, I, I only brought it up because I know that you're that's one of your man crushes, John. So <laughs> I would say more that I root for Billy. If you've heard my episodes on the Pods and Saws Network yep. where we are going album by album, I, I love him. I'm rooting for him. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Yeah. So let's get some let's get some scores on this. So uh Wayne? Seven. And I gave it an eight. And then John. Two. I hate this song. I've always hated this song. <laughs> I hated it from the first time I heard it. 
I still hate it today. Uh, hate is a strong word, but I uh, it is. I just find that guitar riff that goes throughout it so unpleasant. It's just too dark. Um, maybe it's from our Mormon upbringing, Ben, that something <laughs> devil related just felt too evil. I don't think so, really. But I just I never warmed to this song. Every other song on this album is so much fun and bright and uh, bouncy and energetic. And this song is such a downer to me. I hate this song. Always have. Wow, you were very reserved while we were gushing all over this song, John. I'm, I'm. <laughs> I know. I just kept. Going. I was waiting for you to pick me. I'm, I'm waiting for his I'm, moment. I'm, I'm commending you for the restraint that you just showed because I, I've, I've heard plenty of episodes of yours with the pods and sods guys where you, you don't hold back any judgment. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's me. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's move on. So this is uh, Need You Tonight. I need you tonight. I'm not sleeping There's something about you, girl That makes me sweat to get us started on need you tonight because we can gush on this song for a long time i think i yeah i'll go i mean this one it always had this feel like it should be on the lost Valley soundtrack which i don't i don't mean that in a negative sense there's something that always made, i mean and i think david hutch or david hutch, michael hutchins has this vampire quality about him with this leather jacket and no shirt and super sexy but uh, i would have the thing that always sticks in my mind is the music's so upbeat and his lyrics and his vocals are very, are very kind of like sultry and dark. And then when it goes right, as it goes into mediate, I always, I, or I always want to, I always picture it like putting something a little more moody, like mediate underneath the lyrics. Hmm. But, but I, I like the song. I, I don't know how you could not like the song. Yeah. And this was the only in excess single to reach number one on the billboard hot 100. And uh, definitely had uh, had some high chart positions elsewhere uh, around the world because of this. This was a huge song in 87, 88. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly do. There's never been anything like it. Uh, there had been at that point, never anything like it anyway. It's so sparse and yet so funky but and sexy, but in ways that, no one had ever heard or thought about before. I uh, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Is it, you know, I've heard it enough times in my life. It's not that I necessarily, I'm not tired of it, but I don't play it on repeat or anything like that. But there's no, no, you cannot deny the fact that this is one of the most uh, incredible and unique pieces of pop music ever yes. in my mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Right? And and you can do and you can do some wonderful head nods um, during the during the chorus part. Yeah. yeah, and the video made them stars, and it made Michael Hutchins a sex symbol for the ages, and uh, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It's um, it's a piece of history. You guys know the story about this the the famous riff on this. Mm -hmm. So Andrew Ferris, 
so this is this was in I saw a little clip of the the uh, the mini series that they did in Australia, and it's also in the autobiography. So Andrew said that he was on his way to the airport to fly to Hong Kong to to produce this uh, record, and the song appeared in his head while he was in the cab. He asked the cab driver to wait a few minutes. He went back inside the wherever he was at. Uh, I, I think it was his was a motel room somewhere in Australia. He went and recorded the riff, came back down an hour later. And of course, very annoyed taxi driver. He brings this to Michael Hutchins in Hong Kong. Michael disappears for like 45 minutes, come back, comes back with all the lyrics. Oh my gosh. So just, just amazing. Uh, it's a mir- It's yeah. miraculous. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we get some scores on this? So, uh, John, I went 12. I mean, you know, there's songs on here that I probably like or listen to more often, but you, it's undeniable. I went yeah. 12. Yeah. And I went 11 and then Wayne, I give it a six. It's, oh, I just, Look at you being so cute. I don't don't disagree with anything that was said. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think there is something about, because I was, I was super into NXS. I think I, the, the first song I ever heard was Don't Change, but uh, Listen Like Thieves was a, was, was a gateway and an album that I really loved. And then I, I, this is one of the first CDs I ever bought. I was, I had a, I just bought a CD player and I think this was the third CD I got and I listened to it just nonstop for years. And I, I was a big fan. I mean, when their next album came out mm-hmm. X, I would, I was, I can say I was really into this band. So I think with a lot of bands that you get really into, you look for the non singles as they become, I don't know. I think it's something to do with, you know, everybody else is yeah. listening to these and you don't even know this band and uh, so I gravitate on a band that I like this much. I start, I, I gravitate towards the nonsense. I hear you. So let's go back to 1987. If this was, if, if we had a podcast in 1987 and we said, let's, let's rate the songs. Would this have rated higher than a six for you at that point? I think, and I would say probably um, just by the fact, by the fact I've already admitted that devil inside would probably be my yeah. favorite song. I, I, this would absolutely, uh, absolutely be up there. Cause I mean, one of the songs, uh, one of my, my second favorite song on there is a song that became important to me through life. Like things happen to you and you hear this song and think more things happen to you and you hear this song. Then you, when things happen to you, you hear this song and it's not even playing that kind of, there's another song on this record. That's like that. So at that time I probably would have had this in, it would have been in the top, definitely in the top half, probably the top yeah. three or four. What were the what were the other two CDs that you bought before Kick? Oh, I don't mind saying the first one. It was uh, Sonic Temple by the Cult. That's mm. good, nice. But but the second one was Like a Prayer by Madonna. But oh, I had a yeah. blonde ambition <laughs> yeah, you did. thing going on. It was purely sexual. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, you did. This was this was my second CD that I bought. Mm. First one, Document Number Five. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about you, John? Um, I remember so well the 
it was Christmas time and there was a Raspberry Records by my house and my and I took my allowance. My mom drove me over to Raspberry Records with the intention of buying that very special Christmas tape, the red yeah. one, you yeah. know, with all those great Christmas and Hollis and all that kind of stuff. We on did it. an ep- we did an episode on that record. Yeah, sure I know did. you did, and it's not in the feed anymore. I went back to listen to it. It's not there. Yeah, I took I took it down because it's not it's not Christmas time, and I was running out of bandwidth on my oh. stupid podcast host. See, that's why you got to move off of Podomatic. Screw those. Guys. I know. That's why. <laughs> I, yeah, Podomatic suck for that reason. Don't do Podomatic. Do something else. Yeah, well, they're, they're, we're tied in for at least another year. Oh, man. I feel sorry for you. I had that same Thanks, problem. Uh, anyway, yeah. so I go into Raspberry Records with – maybe it wasn't even my allowance. Maybe my mom gave me the money with like, okay, go in and buy the very special Christmas cassette. And I went in and I bought Kick instead. And I came out in the car and she was so mad at me and so you know disappointed that I didn't buy what we agreed on. But I went back in my room and I just listened to Kick for you know the next few months nonstop, pretty much. There we go. Yeah. There we go. All right, so let's move on to the uh, adjoining song to "Need You Tonight." So this is "Mediate." wants to start with mediate uh, i'll do it i can well, okay go ahead I mean, there's there just go. one word it's a gimmick it's uh yeah. you know it back then i may have thought it was kind of a cool idea only because you know with the video and everything i at that point i wasn't familiar with the uh, subterranean homesick blues and so i thought right what a great idea and um you know the long more in excess is better so get yeah give me the longer version but no, it's a gimmick. It doesn't, uh, no one ever needs to listen to that song again. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Who And who is Kate? And what in the world is well, the sex ornate? Sex ornate. What, what yeah, is that's, that? That's what I, yeah. Well, there's even more because I, the one thing I, 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 when I'm listening to it, the first thing I popped in is this once again is them trying to be political. So yeah. automatically it sounds uncomfortable. I do like the real simple drum synthesizer beat that they got going on underneath it. But when you try to rhyme everything with one word, you put yourself in a hole and you're either going to hit a home run or you're going to strike mm-hmm. out. And not only is Kate have sex ornate, but the truth dilate, guilt debate, <laughs> designate your love as fate. And then on 98, we all rotate. Why 98? Well, other than it rhymes with mediate, but you, I would think you would rotate on a hundred or something. I don't know. It just, it, I feel like, just like John said, it was a cool idea. Uh, but it did. But it's that's a that's a tall order. If you're gonna do this, you can't duplicate. They use the word state like every other line. <laughs> um, so it just they they got they got it over their heads. I'm kind of shocked you paid that much attention to those lyrics. 
No one's ever done that <laughs> if you're gonna in make, the history of life. Yeah, if you're going to criticize something, you got to do I your homework. So. I don't want some rabid Australian <laughs> in excess fan coming back at me. Like I didn't right. know what I was talking right. about. And 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 I'm going to tell you why this is not my lowest score. Kirk Kirk Pengilly. Mm, His sax solo at the end. I I do love that. It's good. I'm I'm a big fan of the '80s dirty sax, and and that is that's classic '80s sax right there. So, mm-hmm. so, so, uh, can we agree that this is one of our least favorite songs? Yeah. yeah All right, let's get some scores then, John. One. Wayne. I gave it a three. It was yeah. This was three. Only- what? There are I, two well, things I'm, worse. I've already. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think there are two things worse, in my oh, opinion. I, I was warned about <laughs> you, John, so I'm trying to. <laughs> I, I think the I think the music, the drum synthesizer sax thing that goes on underneath it helps it because, like I say, the video doesn't help it. That is the clumsiest exercise I've ever seen. Hmm. I mean, it's just just flip them faster. They've got to go with the words. You're not. Come on. They were trying really hard to be to to John's point. They were really trying hard to emulate there you go i'm using one of their words ah, nice. bob 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 dylan subterranean homesick blues so much so that if you catch this and again i'm going down the rabbit holes so the cards contain multiple spelling mistakes just like dylan's video because mm. if you look at dylan's video he spells a few things wrong so fascinate that's in there if you look at the video again they spelled it F A C, so they missed the the mm. S in there, just to try and be like Dylan. Okay. So, yeah. Anyways, there's wow. there's your rabbit, another rabbit hole, swing and a miss. Yeah. Um. So I th- this is my lowest score. Yeah. Um. And and I went back and forth on on one of the other songs um that we'll talk about coming coming up, but yeah, I the more I listen to it now, the more it's it's just way too gimmicky for, for yeah. my liking. So, all right, moving on. Here's the loved one. In a time I say now, in a time I say, oh baby, I love you so. I need you now. I want you back. I can't go on. Um, I'm going to let Wayne start with this one because you, you texted me earlier this week and said, how good is this song? uh, I love this. And you know what? I listened to the original, which they use hand claps as an instrument, which I do appreciate. Um, And it has a whole early stones. Everybody's wearing a suit. In fact, the lead singer looks like Charlie Watts. And then I listened to the second or the first time in excess did it. And that was, I felt too new wave and kind of, I don't know, antiseptic. Like he didn't, 
he doesn't really like letting himself be, and maybe he hadn't become Michael Hutchins inside yet. But this version, this is like I, I had mentioned on a podcast, when I hear the riff to Pretty in Pink by Psychedelic Furs, I air guitar mm-hmm. it no matter where I am, well, no matter who's watching. This song, if I, I was listening to it while I was walking my dog, and whenever he gets in, like say it builds, the first time he sings through the chorus, it isn't nearly as what it is as, as that last time when he when he does it a couple times in a row. But I I am I'm not using I'm not letting my voice you know make sound because I know people are around, but I can't help but I'm still singing it silently with these big hand gestures. It's just an incredible song. Like I say, he really. He he really makes you feel this, this you know, baby, please don't go. Uh, it's just dripping off of it. Yeah, and what was my what was my rebuttal to your text? That it was a remake, which the all th- the the versions are so different, and this one is so head and shoulders above the other two that it almost it almost feels different. A uh, different yeah. song, the way they do it on this this version. I know. I gave you crap because I'm like, you can't give the top score to a cover, can you? I, I well, you need to get over that, Ben. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with covers. But, My God, I know. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. I'll get over it. So, 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 John, you you definitely have a um, a lower score than Wayne and I for this particular. Well, song. yeah, I. <laughs> there are four songs on this album, and where. I barely remember them. I've heard this album hundreds of times in my life. And yet, if you were to tell me, don't you love The Loved One by NXS? I would have to think, now, which one is that again? That's the one that, oh yeah, that's the one that does, I love you so, I need you now. The most derivative <laughs> lyric in history. Um, so it's not that I don't like these four songs, but and we'll get you'll find out what the other four are. But they are they're just in a big blob of goo. There's one does not differentiate itself above or beyond the others to me at all. And this is one of those songs. I don't hate it, but it's not memorable okay. to me at all. Yeah, you've we're we're gonna need to put you in our in a car with a bunch of people who know every you know every lyric to an NXS song, and you will you will have a different experience with this song. I, think. I guess I am shocked yeah. that I you know when I think about those four, I was listening. I've listened to them a hundred times to get ready to talk to you, and they just keep switching places because they're all nothing. And I think who in the world <laughs> listens to Kick for loved ones or Wayne does. Uh, yeah, apparently you two guys. You're the weirdos. I wouldn't say that's why I listen to it, but that is my favorite song. Oh I gave it a 12. We're the weirdos. All right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And John, and John, what was your score on this? Uh, five. All right. And then I'm giving it a 10. It could have been anything between three and seven, or three and six, to be honest. They're all yeah. totally interchangeable. There you go. I think this is where we flipped the... Uh, we we flipped the record over if this was actually a record. So this is wildlife.
And uh, John, get us started on wildlife. Uh, again, this is another, this is the second of the four um, that I just feel is so forgetful. I, again, I, I've li- <laughs> I can't stress this enough. If you were to say, John, don't you love wildlife by NXS? Uh, which, <laughs> which one's wildlife again? That's the one. What does that do? You know, just completely unmemorable. Not bad, but unmemorable comparatively on this album. So it's fine. Does nothing for me. Here, here's how I judge the songs on this record as well. Is so my wife is an NXS fan. We don't agree on many bands. I think we've we've established that on on the podcast. Um, but this is one of those bands that we listen to um, mm-hmm. together. And anytime that this particular song comes on, she's like, eh, click. Mm-hmm. Um, so because she also knows what's coming up mm. and, uh, so this is, this is not a memorable song for me as well. Um, it's okay. It's, there's nothing real special on, on this particular song, but I think that that's part of why I feel that way is it's sandwiched between two mm. really great songs. <laughs> so, He's laughing because he disagrees. So I, get, I give this a four and then, uh, well, I'm laughing because yeah, you know, two people are the only two people on the planet that would ever utter that sentence. You just said wildlife is bookended by two perfect ah, songs. Perfect. That's no one strong. in the history of life. Okay. Well, great songs. No one in the history of the world has ever uttered that sentence. I'm, I'm always looking to be different, John. I can tell. I can tell. (laughs) And and I agree with both of you with the first word on my notes is filler. This has, it's not particularly inspired. It's pretty basic musically and lyrically. And Michael Hutchins, like I say, a guy who has so much like swagger and he just sings this song, like let's, you know, roll tape. Let's get Mm -hmm. this over with. I mean, it's, I blame the CD because I mean, previous to the CD, they would have, there'd have been 10 songs on this record and this one and another one yep. could have easily yep. gone too. Yeah. And then John, did I get your score? Uh, I gave it a six. Uh, okay. but again, this is too, I, it, totally interchangeable. Interchangeable. There mm-hmm. you go. All right. Let's move on to never tear us apart. was the fourth single off the record peaked at number seven on the u.s charts uh despite this not being quite as chart worthy as the the other three singles preceding it i think that this is one of those songs that is that a a lot of people will equate with the band i mean the tv miniseries that they did was called in excess never tear us apart Mm -hmm. and i think we could do an entire episode just talking about the covers that are done of this song. Mm. 
You guys listen to some of the covers? I have not. I, pro- I probably have, but I don't remember them off the top of my head. All right. So Bishop Briggs recently did it. Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker did a version of this. Joe, Joe Cocker did a version. Oh. It's 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 really interesting. Don't say that about any Joe Cocker cover. I know. I'm not sure if I like it or not. Uh, me first in the Gimme Gimmies <laughs> did a did a version of this. Of course, that's all they did. Uh, that's right. Court, Courtney Barnett, Tori oh. Amos. What do you guys think of the Tom Jones and Natalie and Brulia version? Did you, anybody hear that one? I don't, that doesn't even sound like a good time. I don't. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's it's so bad. It is so really? bad because Tom and Nina did a great version of. Um, burning down the house yeah um no it didn't work it did okay. not work for i'll have me. to go back and listen yeah okay no and i like some tom jones covers sure. i mean his his cover kiss, kiss. yeah fantastic yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic so in excess re-recorded this with ben harper and did some additional reworkings of the arrangement i'll post this to the facebook page as mm-hmm. well because i don't know if a whole lot of people have have heard it i didn't like it, but I hope that uh, y'all will uh, chime in on that once you once you once you see the video on that. This is my favorite song on this record. Mm. I'm just going to throw that out there, and part mm. of it really goes back to this is where I remember seeing a live uh, a live performance of the band during sometime during that year um, after this record came out. And this is where I'm, I was just completely in awe of Michael Hutchins, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the whole man crush, um, you know, sentimentality of, you know, I won't say that it questioned my manhood <laughs> or my sexuality, <laughs> but, but I will definitely say that after watching that performance, I was like, he is a good yeah. looking man. I would yeah. not have wanted to be drunk in a bar in 1989 with him. <laughs> I'm just gonna, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anymore. I wouldn't want to introduce him to my girlfriend. I would not introduce him to my girlfriend. <laughs> because she would no longer be my girlfriend. Yeah, I, yeah, that's the guy who walks into a room and everybody... I mean, I could just see him walking down the street before he was even famous and girls throwing panties at him. I mean, mm-hmm. he was going to be a rock star. There was no way to stop yeah. it. Um, but this song, Strings are hit and miss for me. And these ones are beautiful. This is the song that... I think in 1989 or 1988 would not have been as, I mean, this is my second favorite song, but as life goes on, you, this is a song that I can, I hear like as part of the soundtrack to my life on occasion. Mm -hmm. And he's just, it's another one of those songs where it builds, like it starts up in that first, the first time through, it's not as powerful. And just as it keeps going, it just keeps getting more and more, more and more powerful. And this has the Mm -hmm. best dirty sax solo since careless whisper. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and and another reason why I, I I say that this is my my top score on this. This is one of the songs that would be on my list of if this song is on the radio and I pull into my driveway, mm. I'm not getting out of my car until it's done. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So, John, we've already thrown out our scores. How, how about you? Where are you at on this? I'm going to call an audible and switch this around. So I'm going to make this nine. Okay. I'm going to give it a nine. Yep. Um, I'm, uh, and, and what I have at nine is going to go down to eight, just so yes. you know. I got so, it. So, um, yeah, I think this song is special. I feel like it is for ballads what Need You Tonight was 
for a pop song in terms of the uniqueness, spreading, you know, kind of expanding what you think of when you think of a ballad into something different. It goes on, it's got a long intro, especially on the video. Remember the video went on forever before it yes. actually got to the singing. And um, it's just so different. It's not, it's not cookie cutter. It's unique and it's different, but yet it's poppy and it makes sense on a pop radio. That's what they were so good at. And um, the sax is great. Uh, the video is great. It's a, it's a beautiful ballad. It's unmistakable for sure. Yep. All right. Moves on to Mystify. the piano and there's actually and i don't know if it was the official video but the, the video i saw where michael hutchins just sits down to the piano with uh i think it's andrew ferris and they start they i think they actually start are they're working on never tear us apart and then they go into playing this <clears throat> but oh, yeah, that piano yeah that piano is so like just anchors the song into something mm-hmm. you know real bluesy and soulful and it, you it gets drowned out at a certain mm-hmm. point by the guitar when the guitar comes in later, but it's still back there. And then it, and it, and it re it, it, it kind of resurfaces, but, uh, I, his vocals are once again, they're just, like I say, it's so like sexy and soulful. And my only question is what is an almond look? Cause I'm not, and I think it might be racist, but the chill <laughs> is divine. So I love that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, John, how about you? Yeah, I um, I agree with a lot of what Wayne just said. My feeling that opening piano riff is so and so excellent, so incredible. You know that it feels like the rest of the song doesn't quite live up to the greatness of that riff and the yeah. finger snapping. And um, I don't know what it is. It's uh, it could have been or should have been one of their absolute signature songs. And and it's not that it's bad in any way. It just doesn't. The rest doesn't live up to the promising beginning. You mentioned the Lost Boys soundtrack earlier, Wayne. That's maybe my favorite soundtrack ever. I love every song on that album, and especially the two NXS tracks. And you think yeah. about how great a song like Good Times is, which has a similar piano vibe, you know. But that song masters those dynamics so perfectly of the piano and the guitar and the drums and the and everything, the highs and the lows. Mystified didn't get there for whatever reason. I don't know why. So it's good, but it yeah. could have been great. Yeah, this was uh, the, so my score. I'm giving this a five. My five, six, and seven were my interchangeable ones. So to to your mm-hmm. point, John, earlier about uh, you had a couple that were definitely interchangeable. This is this is right in there for me. It's a it's a good song, but it's not one of the more memorable songs. And 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 I think I I echo your your sentiments john of there's just there's one thing missing i don't know what it is but there's just one mm-hmm. thing missing from making this you know a really great song and this was actually their fifth single 
and last sing- single off the record, and it didn't it didn't hit the top forty at all. All right, let's get some scores on this. So, John, I'm going seven, and then Wayne, eight, and then I threw that three out of five on this. So, next song is the title track. This is Kick. I love this song. And you were talking earlier. I have a feeling, maybe I'm wrong. I think it was you, Wayne, that mentioned that there was a better song to have kicked off the whole album than Guns in the Sky. I'm going to infer that maybe you meant this song. Absolutely. Um, Okay. And I'm with you on that. I do think this probably would have been the perfect song to kick off side two back in the day of sides. It doesn't deserve to be buried at the bottom of this album. Um, it's got such energy. I miss the saxophone so badly. And I hear a song like this and I just think, man, the sax was right, right on in the eighties. Why, why do people not do that anymore? Or if they do it, they do it ironically. You know, the sax doesn't play a part in rock music anymore. And I wish it did. Um, I just, I think the song is great. It's got really good energy. Were, were they okay in, in naming the, the album kick? I think so. I mean, if you're, if you think about I the mean, previous record was called listen like thieves and that song was worthy of being released as a single. And this song, is it worthy of being released as a I single? Think, I, I, I think it was as, uh, it was as good a choice as mystify. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. I think could have been a single, like I say, the only th- the, the weird part is that first, that, uh, what is it like an organ or something that plays? I, every time I expect Prince to go dearly beloved, yes. Uh, that's that's that that is hilarious that you that you would say that because we were listening to this the other night and that's what my wife said right at the beginning yeah Mm. but then it just kicks off like i say i that's why i think this one would have been a great choice for the opener because it kicks off and it keeps that tempo going the whole time i mean Mm -hmm. there isn't uh tim ferris doesn't get a fair shake in this but everybody else is at uh, top of their game and uh just it's a i mean it's I would have been a great way to start the record. I think much better than guns in the sky yeah. to me. I think it's a great name for the album too. Cause it, it, you know, from an art direction perspective in excess and kick both four mm-hmm. letters, it's simple. You can come up with good like logos and um, yeah, I think it's probably, you know, so calling it never tear us apart or whatever, that's too much of a yeah. mouthful, yeah. you know, get right to the point. Kick says calling it all. all nations. Yeah. No. Huh. Um, all right, let's get some scores on this. So, John? Uh, this is the one I switched around with Never Tear Us Apart, so I'm going to give this an 8. Yep, and uh, I'm giving this a 7. And then Wayne? I, I gave it a 5, but I don't know exactly how it happened. I think I just I ran out of numbers. And I, I, because I feel I really, I mean, but I like this whole album, but I really like this song. Um, so I don't I don't know how I how it got lost out of the top half, but yeah. That's the, 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 the perils of our scoring. It yeah. is definitely we've, we've been told that our scoring method sucks, but you know, 
whatever. Even by even by us. Even by us. All right. Mm-hmm. Next song, Calling All Nations. This one loses all its points for uh, lack of originality. This sounds so much like new sensation musically. Uh, and it's, this is another one of those filler songs that doesn't, it sounds uninspired. He doesn't, it's, it's, let's just get this one tracked down and, and move on. And it still would have probably been better than, than anything that Tiffany or Debbie Gibson has ever done. If I, I so I wouldn't have minded mm-hmm. hearing it on the radio back then, but, mm-hmm. but on the, in this group, um, it just sounded too much like another, so much like another song that I, I dropped it all the way but, down to the bottom. But the lyrics are so good where it says, <laughs> take the chains from your feet and do the sex dance. Cause it's necessary. <laughs> okay. I honestly don't know any of the lyrics. Cause it just, it was, it was one of those songs. It just felt like we need 12 yeah. songs. Um, so let's get another one recorded. Yeah, this this definitely does feel like filler to me. But mm-hmm. I uh, I agree, and and I uh, I'm skeptical. For, I don't know what it is, but any song that draws attention to there being a party, I have a natural skepticism of. <laughs> I don't know why. It's almost like if you have to announce you're throwing the party, could it really be that good? I don't know what it is. Like the party that sounds interesting to me sort of the secret party that no one, only a select group <laughs> right. gets to hear about, you know, it's more provocative to me to imagine NXS having a party that I'm not cool enough to go to than them saying, Hey guys, come to the party. It's like, that's lame. That's what eighties frat guys do. You know what I mean? So yeah. anyway, I give the song a four. I blame Eddie Murphy on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I think that we all have uh, we all have some some uh, some baggage thanks to party all the time. But probably you know, that's yeah. it. All right, all right. Let's finish this up. This is Tiny Daggers. Wayne, get us started because um, you definitely like this one a little bit more than. Well, and you know what? I think part of it is the intro reminds me of this time, which is probably my favorite NXS song. So mm-hmm. I think it it gets my it, it grabs my heart right off the off the bat. But it's, it I I guess what ultimately raised it up so high is that I found myself singing it when it wasn't playing. Like I was doing something in the kitchen and I'm. Who put those tiny daggers in your heart? Yeah. So I, I knew there's a 
there's something deep inside me that loves this song. Um, and I, it's one of those other than I, I tried to find explanations for it. Um, and the, the, the similarity to this time is definitely one of them. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, it's just Michael Hutchinson. And like I say, the idea is the concept of the song is great too. You know, somebody hurts you, um, you know, why don't you tell me about it, baby? Yeah. Hmm. I think I give this a little bit higher score just because I feel like this is a good way to end the record. Hmm. I, I feel like hmm. I feel like it. This is a nice little 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 bow on the package of you've got all the 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 various elements of you know all the things that they've been trying to do. You know, having this party and now we're we're slowing it down a little bit, um, but it's still a catchy catchy song. Hmm. So, and John, I know you're going to disagree with Wayne in my uh, synopsis. Yeah, on but I mean, not <laughs> passionately, but. Calling All Nations, Tiny Daggers, Loved One, and Wildlife are the four tracks that are just, um, you know, interchangeable to me. As I said, I I don't hate it or anything like that, but it doesn't stick out to me at all. In fact, if anything, I feel like this album ends in a whimper, much like I said, going back to Peter Gabriel's So Does. Um, yeah. These last couple tracks are just like, you forget they're even there. The synth riff that kind of goes through this or whatever it is. Uh, and this is not a criticism. It reminds me a little bit of something like maybe John Mellencamp might have done. There's almost a little bit of like a heartland rock sort of feel to this, which is fine. I like that kind of stuff. But um, no, this doesn't stick with me at all. I gave it a three. John, we have finally uncovered why Wayne likes this this song more than than you and I. <laughs> really? It is. Is it, it Mellencampian? Is I, and I and once again, I, I'll I'll accept anything because I. I couldn't, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Other, mm. Like I say, I couldn't figure out why I was singing it uh, wherever I was and I wasn't listening to it. Um, mm. I was just trying to, so uh, Mellencampian, I will absolutely take that and put it on my little, my list here. It is very right. guitar drum based, um, which obviously that's, that's right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. So, but I just, I was one of those things. I couldn't explain it. I just, mm. I really liked go. it. Mellencamp. Yeah. That's what it is. So Wayne, we've got John score. What's yours? I gave it a 10. I, I just, oh my I just love gosh, it. you guys are so <laughs> weird. <laughs> How much fun would this podcast be if it just went by the, by the book? I know it makes for great listening, but man, you two are <laughs> weird. You. All right. <laughs> it's been confirmed now. I, I gave it yeah, a six. So. But again, oh you know, I, so I like I said, I, I interchanged, I interchanged five through seven. So, all right. So mm -hmm. based off of our conversation, let's talk about top five. So what do you think our number one song is? I'll never tear us apart. Either that or new sensation. So uh, never tear us apart would end up being our third top song. Really? And new, sen mm -hmm. new sensation is top score. Uh, average score of 10.33 second song <laughs> this is going to be your oh, no. your your doing john so second top song uh is this uh i don't know is it it's not devil inside is it <laughs> no you 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 waffle stomped on that one <laughs> okay i was hoping i torpedoed <laughs> yeah, you, that you one you torpedoed that pretty good good no, okay no, number uh, number two is need you tonight oh, good okay average score of 10 good. 
So Wayne, yeah. Wayne couldn't screw that up with his uh, score of six. And then okay. uh, we've got uh, Never Tear Us Apart at three. And then we've mm-hmm. got, because we uh, moved around some, some scores here, uh, so we've got a, a three-way tie for fourth, Guns in the Sky, Loved One, and Mystify. Mm-hmm. I'll get an average score of 7.33. It's bizarre, but whatever. Hey, it's an exact science. The scoring is an exact science. I love it. It's fascinating. I'm with you. With you. All right. So did we we cover it? Did we miss anything? I I think we covered this. The only thing I, I would say that always sticks in my mind is this is another band like Queen that I can't believe they would continue on without without Michael Hutchins. I don't, I don't buy any of this. I mean, mm. yeah, Paul, Paul Rogers is great, but I don't think queen should have gone out on the road without, I mean, it, to me, NXS is, a, is just like that. When Michael Hutchins passed that then don't, don't go searching on a TV show for, a, for a, a singer. Don't, yeah. don't let anybody, I mean, Jimmy Barnes is a friend of the band. <clears throat> you can let him maybe do a one-off, mm. but this band should have never toured without Michael Hutchins. Just like queen. Well, should it didn't never. last though. Did it? You know, I, uh, I I don't know if you guys ever saw NXS Live. I saw them twice. I saw them once, about six, not even that, three or four months before Michael died. Thank goodness. And um, I had tickets. He seemed a little out of it. You had tickets? I had tickets for that tour. And then he, di- uh, and he, then he died. Uh, there was going to be a second leg of the U.S. tour. And uh, he passed away just a couple, I guess about six weeks before that. But I had, oh, but I had man. tickets for that. I did see them. I did see them. Uh, what is it? Uh, dirty, Dirty Hearts. What? Oh, Full Moon. Full, dirty yeah, hearts. Full Moon. Dirty Hearts. I, I did see, did see him. My first and only time during that tour, and it wasn't great. Just because mm. I, I never connected with that particular record, um, mm. and uh, they played a lot of songs off that record. But okay. but when they did play the old stuff. I was singing along, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw them and they were promoting Elegantly Wasted, which I think is also a pretty good album, mm-hmm. you know, but you could tell Michael was, he uh, seems a little exhausted, you know, he wasn't prime Michael anymore. Um, and it was those demons that ultimately brought him down. But then I saw them on the JD Fortune tour when, after he had died with the yeah reality show winner. And... Um, that was weird. Yeah, it just wasn't the same. I mean, you know you're hearing the songs from the rest of the band, and that's exciting, but it just wasn't the same. Not even close. And there's a there's a couple songs off of that switch record that I that I actually do like. Afterglow, which is the the song that's kind of written for for Michael. That's a good tune. Yeah. Uh I had that album and that one and Pretty Vegas are the only two I kept. Yeah. I uh deleted everything else. <laughs> <laughs> save the save the space on your hard drive that's right yeah. for better things yeah well john this is yeah. this has been a pleasure revisiting with you absolutely thanks you guys i uh i really yeah. i i'm really so humbled and honored that you asked i honestly mean that i love what you guys are doing i went on a road trip recently and i just binged um you know 10 or so of your episodes and i i love to be a part of things like this and I love to talk music with guys who know what they're talking about. I mean, arguably, but you know, <laughs> so, so uh, 
Yeah, I'm really, honestly, very humbled that you asked. Thank you. Well, I'm gl- I'm glad I'm glad you oh, accepted you. because uh, you know uh, I have been a I've been a listener of your podcast off and on over the years, and you know I'm uh, I'm a big fan of all of your guest appearances on Pods and Sods. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised you didn't come on for the Lionel Richie six pack that they did. He didn't ask. No, you know, oh. no. All right. I'm so hurt. No, I I uh, I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, uh, be too demonstrative on there. I'm, I'm happy when he asks me to come on to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. In fact, speaking of NXS tomorrow, we are recording our, we're doing a whole series on every NXS album. Awesome. And, um, Eric and Joe Royland and I are recording tomorrow, the first episode of that where we're neither, none of us are experts on those first two albums that are a little, yeah kind of obscure yeah they're um, they're not great albums no there's they're they're very different but um yeah so we're kind of combining the early days and those first two albums all into one episode we're recording that tomorrow so if you're interested if you love it excess awesome come over to pods and sods throughout the next year or so we're yeah. gonna be covering every album excellent so so remind our cool. audience where they can find all the happenings of you and the hustle podcast yeah, the hustle. I mean, wherever fine podcasts are sold, I would say if you're, um, I'm not too overly active on Twitter, but I, I am pretty active on Facebook. So if you want to like our page and uh, keep in touch with us on there, you're welcome to send us emails at thehustlepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. And we put out new out, new episodes every Tuesday. We just try to tell the definitive stories of artists that you probably know, but maybe don't remember or forgot or haven't heard from for a while. And what's their life like? And um, sometimes there's bonus material too. So that's what we do. Perfect. All right. So I do nice. throw out one last question to everybody. And this is uh, from from a uh, question from a fellow podcaster here in Orlando who does the Scotch and Good Conversation podcast. So who do you know that I don't know who'd want to join us on the podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Hmm. Boy, that... I would, I, I mean, I would think I'd know a lot of people actually, <laughs> you know, um, I still keep in touch with several former member, former guests of mine. Okay. So um, I'll have to think, I mean, you, you're welcome to go through the archives and say, Hey, do you uh, still I will? Keep, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I might, uh, some of these people I'm actually sort of friendly with, I might, yeah, I could probably connect you up with some of them. Perfect. Sure. Well, I, I, I threw out uh, I threw out an invitation to Martha Davis of the motels. Oh, you know, that's that's one that uh, Wayne and I both are, are are going. Oh, yeah, we definitely want to do a deep dive with uh, with Martha. That would be great. I, I got to tell you, this is um, I speaking of being humbled last night. One of my listeners saw the motels in concert. And he was messaging me. I don't know him personally, but I know him through the podcast or whatever. Yeah. He was messaging me, hey, I'm at the motel show and it's great. And I guess he talked to Martha afterwards and said how much he enjoyed hearing her on my podcast. And she responded by saying how much she enjoyed talking to me. And you just, you hear, I mean, look, I get down on myself. I, sometimes I get really burnt out with this and it's, you wonder if you're connecting with anyone. You wonder if anyone cares. You think you're doing something important. Is it really? And just getting a little, you know, comment like that is enough fuel to keep you going for months. The fact that she remembered that, or at least said she did. Maybe she was lying. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> awesome. Know? All right. So, 
Yeah. You want to come back on uh, later? Anytime. Crowded House? Anytime. Absolutely. Be happy to. More than humbled to have you on to to, to talk Crowded House. That is one of my one of my go-to records from the 80s. Let's do it. I'd love to. Perfect. All right. So everyone, as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. We're on Instagram using the hashtag Records Revisited podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, and our podcast host page, which uh, John says sucks at Podomatic. Um, So on all all of those platforms, please go subscribe (laughs) and rate and review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. out.